when you're in optimization or experimentation, you are so dependent on all these cross-functional resources that if you don't have them, you're gonna be in those one-person magician roles where you're expected to do everything from copy, design, development, QA, and then when things break, people look at you and say, well, why'd you fuck it up? Everyone, thanks for tuning into another episode of From A to B. I am Tracy, and I am joined, as usual, by the Shiva fucking Menjanath. The one and only. No, I find that very hard to believe. Well, I am one of one, but there are many Shivas in the world. Weirdly enough, Slack, whenever I look at the transcription for Slack, it calls you Shiva. <laughs> do you see that too when you do a transcription? The amount of mispronunciations of my name is awful. One time I got called Shafar. There's no R in my name at all. And I can only hypothesize that the dude thought I was Jafar from Aladdin. Um, okay, this sounds like mildly racist. So, uh, I feel really bad for you. He was a great soccer coach and he was super nice to me. It was during the time that Aladdin came out. So, I don't believe any racist connotations. A very honest mistake. I'm just gonna call you Sheba from now on then. Uh, whatever, it's fine. Or you could just call me Shiva, like my actual name that like, I don't know if that's asking too much. That might be asking for too that's much. That's asking a lot. That is asking a lot. I don't know if I can remember that, but that's no, true. you're you're good. You're good, dude. <laughs> anyway, uh, hello, everyone who's listening. And man, if you're coming back for another episode, thank you. Really appreciate it. The last episode, I was sick as a dog. So the fact that you're coming for more is really nice. And if you don't already subscribe to the show, you should absolutely do that. Just hit the follow button on whatever podcast app you're using. We really appreciate it. Also follow our LinkedIn page because sometimes shit goes down in there. Sometimes there's drama. Sometimes there's love. Just you get the whole mixed bag of everything and you should absolutely do it. You can count on me to start drama. Yeah, you absolutely, absolutely can. I was telling Shiva <laughs> this week, I am so grateful to be the low-key co-host. I try to stay out of it. And I'm like, wow, this really helps me sleep at night. I just don't stress about shit in the same way that I think you do. Yeah, it's okay. I'm just going to start tagging you and stuff with like, Tracy, thoughts? Um, I hate that. <laughs> so uh, let's move on. What we're talking about today is something that has been on my mind a lot in the recent years as an experimentation practitioner, and it's something that I know a lot of other people deal with. Getting better at spotting a bad CRO job before you actually get into it, and just being better at spotting those red flags sooner rather than later. Shiva posted on LinkedIn about this recently, and a lot of people posted some really great responses to this with actionable tips. We have some of our own. This episode really is for those juniors who want to get better at spotting red flags. And it's for me, like three years ago, I needed this. The impacts you would have in a junior CRO joining a bad toxic culture might one, scare you away from experimentation. Yes. You're like, dude, fuck this. I'm never going to take a job like this. I think you've dealt with this a couple times, right? Like going into a job, you're like second guessing, why the fuck did I pick this career? One million percent. Seriously, there was like a point two years ago where I was like, should I just make a career change? Should I be an accountant? Should I be a therapist? I legitimately, I was like hitting up career coaches being like, I don't think this is for me. Turns out I just wasn't in the right environment and I did not spot the red flags 
when I should have. Before we get into it, I just want to preface by saying if you need a job really bad, especially in this market, it is so fucking tough right now. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Take the job and do the best that you can with it. Ultimately, I try to operate with the philosophy and Shiva, I think you do as well, where if it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. So keep these tips in mind. Keep this discussion and our stories in mind. And good luck because, dude, it's really hard. It's really hard out there. The red flags are fine if you know what you're getting into. It's like consent, right? If you know what you're getting into and you know it's going to suck, it's one thing, right? I did a Spartan race that was like 20 miles outside climbing mountains, like literal black diamond mountains. I paid money to do that. I signed up for it. I wanted to do it. In mile three, it was cold as shit. I'm like, dude, I hate this. Yeah. But I consented to it. I knew what I was getting into. So the hope is that these are red flags that give you all the information that you need to say, I don't even want to touch this, or I know these are going to be problems, and give you the consent, give you all the information to make the best decision for you to say, all right, I know this is going to suck, but let's jump in. Totally. So there are two spots where you're going to find these red flags, those two being the job description and the job interview. So let's start off with the job description. First up, the big one to spot unreasonable expectations. This is a huge one and it's so pervasive in our work. Typically, you're going to see that in guarantees. They want to see guaranteed lift after one month, three month, one year. That just kind of tells me they don't know necessarily what is realistic for optimization. They want something very short term and quick, which is not necessarily the case. It really takes away from the whole point of conversion optimization, which is testing. You have to fail sometimes to get to those big wins. And if you say to an optimizer, we need results by one month, you're creating a fear of failure and ultimately your program will bomb and you will be disappointed. Perverse incentives. Perverse incentives. Oh, there's always <laughs> perverse incentives. Every, every damn perverse incentive. Yes. So I like, I agree with you on that point, but the devil's advocate is this hiring manager might not know what they're looking for in terms of a CRO hire. Yes. If you go into the job and they trust and empower you, and we'll go into this later, but if they trust and empower you, I'd say this is a more like caution, yellow, be aware if these are things that pop up. In my LinkedIn post, Eden talked about guaranteeing a lift, right? Like <laughs> if they are asking you for guarantees, but you look at their site and their site's just like baseline terrible, it's probably more of like a yellow red rather than a yellow. On the devil's advocate side, I do think it's worth just maybe sussing out how much of this is they don't understand, but they will give you the tools to succeed versus their understanding is what you are going to do. I don't even think that's devil's advocate, really. That's just kind of saying, hey, I need to do some educating here, which is totally okay. That's part of the job. Yep. And it's okay to be ignorant of those details if you haven't hired an optimizer before. But if you are rigid in prioritizing short-term gains over long-term strategy, then that's where your yellow flag is a full-blown red flag. And that's where you're going to have a lot of issues. I'd even say on the flip side, having no objectives or goals or unclear objectives or goals, that's also trouble. But it is also up to you to define those. And I think that's okay if you see that. We got some comments from Lucas Vos and Michael Agard. They both interestingly cited magic. I think that's an interesting theme, right? Like people are hiring CROs as these magicians yes. to come on the site. And maybe there's some crystal balliness to what people think we do that like, we'll just look in our crystal ball and just give you the wins. And like, nah, no, like that's bullshit. We don't know. 
just use best practices. Just use the damn best practices. They both cited like, you are not hiring a magician to wave the wand and like conversion to kiss Leviticus. I don't know anything about Latin or magic, but we are not magic wand people to come to your site and wave the magic wand and lift your conversion rate. No, we absolutely are not. If you parade yourself for that person, that's just maybe the cringiest thing I've ever seen. I don't think I've even seen anyone do it. Wait, I'm not the cringiest thing you've ever seen? I'm pretty cringe. I can get really cringe. If you put on a mage outfit and you were like waving wands on site to like tap them to improve their conversion rate, you will reach like cringe status level 1000. You'd be the cringe boss. I kind of aspire to that. <laughs> anyway, big telltale sign. I think... It's very common to encounter this issue of unreasonable expectations. We are not magicians. I am. Speak for yourself. So yeah, <laughs> the other thing that this is kind of a general red flag, but especially you see it a lot with optimization roles is the whole you have to be scrappy. You have to wear all the hats. And you see that a lot with growth marketing roles, even product management roles. Pretty much when you see this, the translation is you're on your own. That is a major, major issue because this is going to tie into another thing we're talking about, which is lack of resources. This whole be scrappy, figure it out mentality is what results in optimizers having to build tests without development experience and no QA resources and tests go live and they break. Of course, a developer, of course, something broke. I mean, especially if you're relying entirely on WYSIWYG and you are not a developer, there's so many levels of risk. If you're asking maybe a program manager strategist to come in and basically do all of the things. Yes. It's important on the CRO side for you to talk the talk. Not necessarily walk the walk, but talk the talk. Meaning you should be able to communicate with developers. Absolutely. You should be able to communicate with designers. And it's okay to maybe get your hands or feet wet in that. But if there are no supporting cast resources, none of that, and you are doing everything, immediate red flag. Totally. The flip side of that maybe being a green flag is if in the JD, they say must collaborate with all these functions. To me, that's a shining green example of like yeah. fantastic because they're saying you're going to have to talk to these people to get your resources. And that to me is like, oh, love it. That's anti-scrappy. That is part of the job. And if your hiring manager understands that, then they kind of know what's up. Or instead of collaboration, they'll say like, well, we're, you're going to have to hire your own team that will report into you. So like there's a couple sides to that. But I think ultimately the point is true with what you said. Now, if you encounter this, proceed with caution. This is going to be part of the interview and when you're really going to want to suss out resources, which we're going to get to in just a few minutes. Lastly, I want to close on one last red flag in the job description. This could be a yellow flag eventually, depending on how it's treated. But if you're not seeing any sort of salary transparency, totally, especially as a woman, like you have to advocate for yourself on this front because no one else is going to do that. If you're not seeing a salary or you see salary is competitive, translation, it's low. If it's so competitive, then why won't you just tell me what it is? If they're not showing it, it's not a selling point. Absolutely. That's a really good, really good way of putting that. Sometimes I say smart things. Just sometimes. Just like <laughs> maybe once a month we'll get something smart, right? <laughs> I hope it gets recorded while it is so we could, so at least there's verbal. Something's there's I no say evidence. smart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> but yeah, like I think I have a really good example of a role in which they did the opposite. They gave me salary transparency and 
I'm so glad they did. This business, they really talked the talk and they walked the walk about all sorts of things like diversity and inclusion. And they gave the salary range up front. And when they asked me where I saw myself in the salary range, of course, I chose the top of the band because I know I am at the top of the band. I know I am a quality candidate and I proved it to them in the interviews and just my whole application process. If they didn't give me that salary transparency, I would not have achieved a $20,000 boost on my job hunt. The fact that they did that, women especially, really hold businesses accountable to giving salary transparency because you are probably not going to ask for what you are actually worth if you were a white guy being asked the same question. Right. I will also plug Experiment Nation's salary report here because you can really get a good sense of how much individuals are making as CRO or experimentation practitioners at various levels of seniority and by location, by gender, and if you're of a like racialized group. So absolutely check that out. Tracy, you can't put a price tag on a ping pong table usage. Just saying. If you see a basketball hoop, a ping pong table, any shit like that, fucking run. Because you, you're I underpaid. Know. I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> If you're paid well and you have a ping pong table, that's fantastic. Fine. I don't see that as a red flag. Fine. Okay, so that's the job description. Now, the next piece is the interview. You're going to really need to be on high alert if you want to find red flags in this piece of the application process. And also, this is the best time to turn those red flags into yellow flags or find out if they actually are indeed going to be blockers to your success. Yep. The big number one thing that always, always, always comes up and the one that I fell victim to in the past is lack of resources. When you're in optimization or experimentation, you are so dependent on all these cross-functional resources that if you don't have them, you're fucked. You're going to be in those one-person magician roles where you're expected to do everything from copy, design, development, QA. And then when things break, People look at you and say, well, why'd you fuck it up? It's because I didn't have the resources. Have you personally encountered this one, Shiva? I don't think I've not encountered it. It's pretty sad. <laughs> I know we've talked about in the last episode with bug fixing and like lack of resourcing to like test bugs. But like we talked about before in the JD being a single person team to have to do everything, program growth and your success relies on you having everything you need to do that job properly. It's like if I'm a race car driver and you give me three tires, like... Well, why did you win the race? I don't blame myself for that. I don't think I was in a position to succeed. Unless it's a tricycle race, then Touché. you should have made it happen. Pick yourself up by the bootstraps. <laughs> Just pedal harder. <laughs> yeah, I don't get why people hire. I guess I get it. It's just frustrating. People hire CROs without properly staffing them, expecting all these things to happen. Personally, I believe that you can turn this around. It is okay if you need to share resources when you're first booting up a new program, but it's your responsibility to ask during the interview for specifics. What specific resources will be at my disposal? Even better if you tell them, I need X, Y, Z. Do you have this for me? And specifically, how much commitment do I have for these resources? How many story points? How many hours per week? What other teams am I sharing these resources with? This is where I screwed up. The role that had the great salary experience, but, you know, I only stayed in that role for a few months because I was trying to do it all. I was told 
you know, you're going to have all these resources, you're just paying them in Slack, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't really hold them accountable to providing those resources. And I just yeeted myself out of there. I just couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> do it. I couldn't give them what they needed from me doing it all myself. So one of the things that will limit your experimentation program growth is responsibility and accountability. Mm -hmm. And the vote of confidence that a team has in your program is giving you the resources to make you accountable. If they hire you for a CRO role and give you no resourcing, and then they hold you accountable, that's just a failed state. But if they say, we're hiring you for this role, we're going to give you all these resources, that to me is such a shining green flag that's like, you are going to be in the best possible position to succeed. And if you don't succeed, like kind of on you, dude. But that to me is like, it, if you ask, what's my resourcing look like? And they're like, oh, you got designers, you got devs, you got all this stuff. And they're like happy to discuss in depth. And they're pushing you to say, you are going to have to work with these guys and do all this stuff. Oh man, music to my ears. Yeah. If you say like, well, what's my resourcing? And they're like, you, I'm out. No, I've seen it so many <laughs> times. Like just, just run, just run yeah. if that's the case, because it's not going to be worth your time. On that same note, data. Is data a mess? Do you get the sense that the team doesn't actually care about fixing bad data? And is data integrity even important to the business? Reason why you want to suss this out, if this business does not care about data integrity or accuracy and there's really no plan to get that in order, what's going to happen is you're going to be spending all your time fixing that and that time is going to take away from you doing your actual job of developing a solid strategy and executing on that strategy. And you're not going to trust any of your work. You're going to be constantly wondering, is this result actually true? And it's a really shitty feeling. Dude, they might not even care to fix it. They might not know. <laughs> or they might know and not care. That is worse. That is that is really bad. Totally. Dave Powell on my post talked about data infrastructure like flag it but he made a really good call out if you see in the jd we're data driven to me i'm like that is not a, any color of a flag because data driven can mean a lot of things you could say you're data driven and you cannot give a shit when you ask in the interview like what does your data integrity look like what does your governance look like and if they have an actual answer of like hey it's not great but we need to get better we could use your help flagging what's wrong we have these initiatives working in place like if there's an honest reflection of like we know it's not great but we're trying to get better yes then great they know it's a problem they're doing better if you say explain how you're data driven and they don't they kind of like don't give you an answer red flag if they know their data is broken and they don't care about it or they don't even know if their data is working. There's no governance towards fixing it. Woof. Woof is correct. It's also like saying you have the competitive salary. You yeah. say that, but do you know what that means? We care about diversity and you hire a bunch of white people. Yes. <laughs> you know, just ask. Ask these questions in the interview. I mean, not about diversity, but about data integrity, but also ask about diversity if that matters to you. But sure. just ask these questions. And then lastly, kind of on the note of leadership, you really want to suss out if there's going to be bad leadership. And you can do this in a few ways. First being, are you going to get support from your immediate manager and their manager and so on and so forth? Because it's often the person at the very top of the chain, like the CMO or the VP, the chief revenue officer, who's going to be making the final call on a lot of your work. And if you don't have their buy-in, that's going to be a huge problem. So really figure out what the chain of command is and is that person who makes the ultimate decision going to be an ally to your program or a foe 
it can be tough to suss out leadership problems as you're going through interviews if you ask the same question of like hey are you guys data driven and if you go to like you're talking to the ux person and then you're talking to the hiring manager and then you're talking to the hiring manager's boss and you're talking to another analyst if you're getting different answers all across the board red flag also to that note is this a new role or is this a backfill if the backfill left like a month ago and they were there for three months that to me is a red flag yes if it's a new role and it can be all the green flags it's a new role they're trying to grow they're trying to do the right things they don't know what they're doing you're going to be accountable i think you're stepping into a gold mine but if it's a new role and then they also don't know what they're doing like i think the new role versus old role can help maybe add some context to some of the yellow flags that are they red or they green and then to kind of close that off Try your best to suss out communication across different teams. If you find that you're coming into an environment that teams don't interact with each other, they don't communicate with each other, they don't have like weekly rituals to stay on track with all of each other's work, then you're going to have a serious problem because that's going to tell you, again, you're going to be on your own for a lot of decision making and you don't want to end up in that position. It can be tough. I know Manuel talks a lot about this around if you don't have executive sponsorship of experimentation, test to learn, data driven, that can be so tough to affect change. It's so true. I've been in that position. It's so true. So just to kind of wrap up everything that we just discussed, there are so many red flags in the job description and interview. Sometimes they're easier to find than others. And sometimes you're going to miss some and that's okay. It's okay to make a mistake. People also lie. People also lie. That's not your problem. I mean, it's your problem. It's not your fault. At the end of the day, you can always just say fuck it and become a therapist or an accountant. And uh, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. I mean, I almost did that. It's totally fine <laughs> if you did that. But to summarize everything that we just discussed, really look out for unreasonable expectations. Look out for these postings where they want you to be scrappy and do everything all at once. Uh, poor salary transparency or just really low salaries. Also look out for bad leadership, lack of resources. And data integrity, is that going to be something that you're going to be wrestling with? Yeah. And also always feel empowered to ask these questions in yes. interviews. Yes. Like we I know this is kind of like a meta career thing, but if something comes up and you're like, is this a red flag or yellow flag? I don't know. Huh. Always feel empowered to ask these questions yes. in interviews and yes. get the full answer. You should always feel empowered regardless of who you are, where you came from. The interview is to suss out if you are good for the job and if you're a good fit for the job on the other side. But it's important for you to have confidence and consent and all the stuff going into the job. Well, it's a two-way conversation. You're totally. interviewing them as well. Yeah. Like, you have a life and yeah. you are your Maybe own. Maybe you don't, but most of us have one. I definitely have a fucking life, Shiva. <laughs> uh, I have two cats and one has <laughs> way too much energy. So, you know, that keeps all my time going. No, no, it, seriously though, like you don't want to treat it as if it's just them making a decision on you. You are really sussing them out as well. You are totally. a capable human being and you have an in-demand skill set. So make sure that they're a fit for you. And mm -hmm. if it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. Unless, unless you need the money really, really bad. So totally. is, if there's anything else that you would want to add to this list or you have kind of personal stories of not paying attention to the red flags, seriously, write a post about it on LinkedIn, tag us, tag the pod. We want to know because uh, this is something that we all kind of deal with at some point or another. And if you haven't dealt with it, then 
you're just so lucky and uh, we need you to um, just tell us how you did it. I don't know. All right, now it's LinkedIn Post of the Week time. This week's LinkedIn Post of the Week comes courtesy of Ruben DeBoer, who if you're not following on LinkedIn, what are you doing? If you haven't seen him or you don't know who he's talking about, like, where are you? Move into society and don't be the no life Tracy person. Hey, I follow Ruben. Get out of here. That's good. So you have some of a life, I guess. So Ruben's post, the summary of this is basically around smoke testing or fake door testing. Effectively, what they are is a test that you run without full functionality, but it's kind of a true test to learn test. You're trying out something small seeing how the audience reacts, seeing what happens in the audience. So you can maybe take the time and build it properly. So in Ruben's post, he basically summarizes, it's a great way to help product teams gauge user interest in a potential new feature before investing substantial time, development, and resources into it. He kind of gives some feedback around how to run one. Basically, you introduce the fake door, quote unquote, in the variant. It could be a button, link, CTA, something that, something that simulates the yet-to-be-developed feature and gives them kind of a teaser so that you can understand what happens. Users to interact with it will possibly see a message around, hey, coming soon, or sorry, we haven't built this yet. It's interesting because it is the purest form of a test-to-learn test. However, the UX, you could very much argue, is not ideal, right? For example, you have on your homepage a video, and you insert it, let's say, in the hero slider and it says, click here to watch this video that tells you how this program will help you scale into whatever markets, give you some type of benefit. The user clicks the video and then a message pop up that says, hey, sorry, that's the fake door piece. You're telling the user, this isn't built yet, but we're trying to work on it, some type of error message. On the UX side, that can be very jarring, right? The user is motivated to take action and you're servicing like, hey, sorry, we haven't done this yet. On the research side, I freaking love it because you haven't invested all of this time building out this very fancy thing. A video can cost like thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you don't know that people will actually take the action, you're mitigating the risk. It's one of those things that's very heavily focused in on helping the biz while definitely, and depending on your execution, you could scale up and down the impact on the UX. That experience is probably very terrible to UX. There's different ways you could scale back on the UX and have it be not as terrible. Maybe you offer them a promo code that says, sorry, we don't have this video, but here's $10. Thank you for your interest. I don't know. You can you can kind of mitigate that. That is ultimately the reason why I have not run a fake door test is because of that poor user experience. You're setting a user up for a certain expectation and then you don't meet that expectation. So that's something that Jordan from Booking.com called out. It's a good point. It's also, are you biasing the results of the test by creating that shitty mismanagement of expectations? So in that case, the results are, did someone take action? You're gauging the interest of the product. You're right. It does depend on, I guess, like your success metric. If the intent to see that video is the metric, then it doesn't matter what happens after that click. However, to that point, there is probably a UX cost. A poll on your site that pops up that takes over the whole screen will probably affect UX in a negative way, right? It's something intrusive in your face that says, hey, please fill out this form. We want your feedback. However, the value you get from that type of form might be incredibly valuable. So in the short term, you'll see a dip. 
But in the long term, you're gaining these insights. Totally. But to your point, dude, it is very much you have to consider the UX. Maybe before you run any fake door test, consider the impacts down the line. You might get lucky and see a fake door test that increases CVR. Generally speaking, it's going to decrease CVR and there, there has to be some like consideration towards the UX overall. The risk probably varies depending on where you're testing this totally. and the type of unbuilt feature that you're testing. Fake door tests, fantastic. Something in the tool of the toolkit that CROs and experimentation people should use. Very much be careful about the UX. I think you can do your best to try and mitigate the UX while still learning. I like sprinkling and dabbling in them. If your whole site is just like a large fake door factory, be very careful. You know what's funny? It's a fake door factory. I kind of makes you think of like Monsters, Inc. Oh my God, it totally does. I love Monsters, Inc. Oh my gosh. That's such I love a great it. I love movie. it. Classic. Classic. <laughs> On that note, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, if, as usual, you're listening to this and you're already following us, we love you. Follow us on LinkedIn as well. And if you're not, then what are you doing with your life? Do it. Follow us on LinkedIn. Follow this episode. And we'll be back in a week from now to talk to you again. So thanks so much. Take care.